okay, God, I want to make sure this is just all you because I sense that he's just here and that he wants to speak to some people today and he wants his truth to go forward. So I'm just going to pray one more time if that's okay with you guys. God, I thank you so much for your presence. I thank you for the gift of your nearness, that you are tangible. God, we do not take that for granted. God, I pray in this place, even now, that your presence would increase. That every person here would experience your nearness and that you would bring a witness to the things that you want to speak to our hearts by your spirit. God, I thank you that your word is truth. And that by your Holy Spirit, you uh, bring it off the page and into our hearts. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do that. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, last night, I had a hard time sleeping. And it wasn't because I was preaching, but I was just kind of wrestling, I guess, through the night with the Lord. Have you guys ever done that? Do you ever do that? It was just one of those nights. I didn't expect it to happen, but it did. And I kind of felt like Jacob. Do you know the story in the Old Testament where Jacob is wrestling with the Lord and he's contending to be blessed, but he goes the whole night till daybreak. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, God. You know, and this morning I'm thinking I'm about to preach and why are we wrestling and all of that. But um, the Lord reminded me of, of... the Jewish significance of what day today is. And I don't know if you guys are very familiar with the Jewish calendar, but it's different than our Gregorian calendar. And, um, you know, the Bible is just so rich with the significance of the cycles of what God did and the feasts and the different celebrations and things like that. And um, I, I tend to believe that he still um, does things in, the, in those cycles. And um, for the past couple of years, I've actually been kind of going through this book. It's called The Time to Advance by Chuck Pierce. I really appreciate Chuck Pierce. I feel like he carries uh, just an Issachar anointing of bringing the word of the Lord um, for the times. It's whenever he releases a prophetic word, I feel like it goes straight to my heart. And, you know, interestingly, this whole, this whole book is about finding the order and the timing of God and what he's doing. But um, right now, we're in the fifth month, Jewish month, which is called Av. And um, so what Chuck has basically done is he's gone through the Bible and he's just found the, the cycles of things that God's done um, historically in those months and found patterns. And it's just amazing. I mean, this is not a like one day read, but if you are interested, I, I recommend that you just go with it. Every month I just kind of read through and I soak in what God did during that um, biblical period of time. 
But um, in Av, it's really interesting. Uh, today is the ninth of Av. And the ninth of Av was the date of Israel's sin of unbelief. Um, it's when the spies came back and um, gave the report after they had checked out the promised land. And, you know, ten of them said, oh, no, yeah, the fruit was great, but the giants are too big. And um, two of them said, well, we could go. But overall, Israel went into unbelief, right? Well, historically, on the ninth of Av, Israel has chosen to listen to the, the voice of unbelief. Here's some history for you. Av 9, 587 B.C., the armies of Babylon destroyed Solomon's temple. Av 9, AD 70, the Romans destroyed the second temple. Av 9, AD 135, the final defeat of the Jews by Rome. Av 9, AD 1095, the first crusade is launched, which kills thousands of Jews. Av 9, AD 1290, the Jews are expelled from England. Av 9, AD 1492, the Jews are expelled from Spain. Av 9, AD 1942, the Jews were deported from Warsaw Ghetto to the death camps. Av 9, AD 2005, the expulsion of the Jews from Gaza began. Chuck points out in this book that the month of Av was originally intended to be the month that Israel entered the Promised Land. And God's plan has been every year that Av would be a month to celebrate his goodness. I just want to encourage you that if you're wrestling with the Lord right now and he's set before you that promised land, it's a day for you to believe what he spoke. And I, you know, this is a time that you can, you can break a curse, that you can believe God's promise, that you can go steps into what he's promised for you. And I just thought that was really interesting because... Well, you know, we're going to be talking about the will of God. Oh, we're going to be talking about the will of God today. And bottom line, the will of God is for you to access your promised land. That's what he wants. And we're on a journey of getting there, each one of us, right? So, anyway, that's what he worked in me this morning. And um, I know he's going to continue to give revelation on that. And I just feel like if you press into that, there's, um, there's stuff for you in that as well. So um, today we're going to talk about the will of God. And I want to start by saying that, first of all, I'm not talking about what's already laid out in Scripture for us. The Lord, a couple weeks ago, he really, you know, kind of convicted me, and he says, you're looking for a sign for this or that, but I've already written this in my word, so it's always my will. And I think that we need to make a distinction between things that he's already totally laid out. So, for example, he says, go into all the world and preach the good news. Heal the sick, raise the dead, you know, cast out demons, all of that. Um, And sometimes we're looking around waiting for a sign to be released into that. But he's already said to do it. So we don't really need a word from him on that. We just need to start activating ourselves with his word, right? Okay. So um, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how to get to the beginning. Maybe you could help me, George, get to the beginning. I'm not good at this, but he says that it's a good tool. Would you agree? <laughs> I'm going to let him get me to the beginning, and I'm just gonna, um, I'm just going to start by saying that 
the first part of what I'm going to talk about, I don't mean for it to be heavy, but I feel like we need to get a revelation of what it means to discern the will of God. I'm not talking about what's already laid out in Scripture, but I'm talking about finding the perfect will of God for our lives. God, God is always good. He's always good. Always. But just because something is good does not mean that it's God. Okay? We live in a day and age that it's so important to know the voice of God. We need to know. You know, I think of Joseph in the Bible. He's got Mary and Jesus, and he has a dream in the middle of the night, and an angel comes to him and says, you're in danger. Herod's going to seek to kill Jesus. You need to go. You need to go to Egypt. You know, he could have rolled over and said, man, I had some kind of weird pizza last night. I don't know what's going on. But no, he heeded the word, right? And I'm just being silly. But the thing is, God is, he is visiting us in unprecedented amounts of visitation. I just feel like he is pouring out his spirit like I've never seen before. And I've been in the church my whole life and I'm looking and saying there is visitation like crazy. And I don't want to take that lightly. I don't want to miss my day of visitation. You know, and I'm not just talking about having a dream and sorting through what that means. I mean, God is, he is actively pursuing us and he's trying to speak to us so that we can walk in what he has for us and the full life that he's called us to. So here's the thing. I've been learning a lot in the past few years that my human wisdom is not worth very much. <laughs> and I do not want to rely on that whatsoever, whatsoever because it's completely unreliable. And Paul talked about our faith resting not on human wisdom, but on the demonstration of the power of God. That is what I want in my life. I want that to be the marker. I want that to be what moves me, how I'm motivated is the demonstration of the power of God because he is he is releasing his glory in the earth, and we can have eyes to see and ears to hear that. In fact, Scripture says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture today. I, I wrote some of them on the back of the bulletin. I typed some of them out. I would apologize. I know some people say sermons are better with less scripture and you just focus on those, but I just really love the word of God. And I really think that this subject is just, the scripture is full of beautiful gems that we need to extract on this subject. So I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. And if you miss, I have some of them up on slides, but if you miss some of them, a bunch of them are printed out on that bulletin, and I encourage you to dig into that later. Okay, so it's, it's not our human mind that's conceiving what we should do, right? What he's prepared for us isn't conceived by our human mind, but he's revealed it to us how? By his spirit. 
I feel like we need to get a revelation of what it means to walk with the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God in Isaiah 11 talks about his sevenfold nature. There are seven different aspects to the Spirit of God that I think we need to walk in relationship with. That's the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And if we really want to discern his will, it's going to come through relationship with the sevenfold spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 4, 7. Get wisdom. Though it costs you everything, get understanding. It, it costs you everything because you exchange everything that's in your human perspective to gain the Spirit's perspective. I think of that rich young ruler, you know. Jesus said, you have to sell everything. You have to give everything. I mean, I think that's symbolic of this divine exchange. Everything that I thought I knew, it cost me giving up all of that to get a complete reworking of the way that I view things. It's total repentance. It's just this complete changing of the way I think. Um, And human wisdom, it's deceptive. It really, it isn't trustworthy. You know, scripture says, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You know, I had already written this sermon, and, and then a couple days later, I came across this little video clip that someone had posted on Facebook, and it was by John Bevere. He's about to release a book, and it's called uh, Good or God or something like that, and he's discussing this same, I mean, just a little trailer was all that I saw, but he's discussing the same thing, and he made an amazing uh, just uh, parallel in Scripture from Genesis, and he's talking about the woman about Eve, how she goes and she is tempted by the tree of the of knowledge of good and evil. And it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was what? Good for food, good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate of it. What did it look like? It looked good. It looked desirable. It looked... Like, it was great for gaining wisdom. I thought that was an amazing revelation. And what happened as a result was what? Death. Right? So, have you ever experienced this? I mean, I'm just going to be vulnerable. I mean, I've had this happen to me before. Wow, this thing looks really good. Could this be God's will? Hmm, is this God's will or not? And just like Eve, you hear a voice and it's saying, Hmm, that couldn't be bad. You're going to be okay. This is, this is a good thing. But deep in your heart, you just are like, uh, there's this little bit of a check. And you're like, I just know it's really not right, but it looks so good. And then you start just playing games in your head. Is it or isn't it? Am I the only one who's done this? <laughs> okay. I said in class this morning, I'm committed to being vulnerable. I'm... <laughs> If I've messed up in any way and I can help someone else learn, I'm committed to that. But yeah, so you want his will to be that thing so badly that you convince yourself that something's good. But you never really settle, is it God? Have you done that? Okay? Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. 
I know this is really heavy, and I actually don't mean to make a heavy message. The rest won't be as heavy. But I want to raise the question before we move on. Do I depend on what I think is good, or am I depending on God's guidance? Okay, we don't want to go on the path that leads to death because it seems right, right? So the question is, Oh, yeah, there's that scripture. Uh, Does God have a perfect will for my life? I hear so much debate about this, even within the church. Like, well, he's given us free will, so should we just make all our own decisions? And as long as they're, you know, scripturally sound and they're not contradicting the Bible, then that's okay, right? I hear so many Christians say that. And I'll tell you the truth, I'm grieved by that. I just don't think that's how he made us by design. I really believe that he's made us to interact with him, to get his blessing, to get his guidance, so that we can walk in the very best that he has for us. You know, and and I believe that every person has a destiny from God. Okay? Before you were formed, just like in Jeremiah Jeremiah, um, God said to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I think that's the same for us. I don't think he was a respecter just of Jeremiah. I think every person that he had a plan for you from the foundation of the earth. But I don't think that it's just fate, that it's just going to happen just randomly. I believe that it's up to us to come into alignment with his plans and purposes and to walk in partnership with Holy Spirit to see that fulfilled. Okay? So um, Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This scripture has caused a lot of debate over the ages. Well, did he predestine us to be saved or not? That's not what I'm talking about, and that's not where I feel like this is really going. I think God says, I foreknew you. I I planned out your destiny beforehand, and your destiny is to look like Jesus. Okay, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Your destiny looks like Jesus. He's called you to that. And some maybe, you know, maybe have a more of an emphasis of a certain aspect of what Jesus operated. in. so, you know, we call those different things giftings and callings. But ultimately, we're all destined to look like Jesus. But we've got to get a revelation of how to walk with God in his will so that we can see that fulfilled. Do you agree with me? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That to me sounds more like something specific than something totally random. When I read it, that's what I see. What's the pattern of the world? The pattern of the world says, well, I'm my own God. I I decide what's best. This looks good. This looks logical. I'm going to go with that, right? That's the way the world thinks. But if we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, that means his word is washing over us. His spirit is renewing the way we think, just like like we talked about. 
everything's changing in perspective. You're exchanging your old way of thinking for something new, and that's a renewed mind. It's submitted to the Spirit of God, that sevenfold Spirit of God. Your mind no longer thinks the way that it did in the carnal nature, but it starts thinking like the mind of Christ, which is empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So here's a question some of you are thinking. Well, does God want to micromanage my life? I mean, how much do I ask? I mean, how much do I seek? I'm like, uh, what shirt should I wear today? I mean, where do we draw the line, right? This is my belief. I have seen the goodness of God when I have sought his will. I mean, breakthrough, perspective, provision, like I wouldn't have thought of because I found his will and I contended for it. I pressed in for it. And all that I saw was more blessing than what I could have ever hoped or imagined. So my answer to that question is, how much can you get him to tell you what you should do? Because that's just blessing upon blessing exponentially. I'm like, God, what shirt do I wear? No, I'm not really that extreme. But seriously, as much as I can invite him into the process of my life, I want to. Because it's not because, you know, I'm like, oh, you're going to control me. I'm a puppet. It's It's that you know best. You're the creator of the universe. You know how to bring me into life and the fullness and abundant life that you've called me to, and I want to find that place. So my free will says I choose you and what you know is best. That's free will. Still, it's just giving it over to him. And then it's partnership. You're never a puppet. You're a partner with Holy Spirit. So... Here's some scripture that I feel backs that up of submitting it all to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. That's 1 Chronicles 16, 11. All right, so another question that's in the room right now is, well, what about my past mistakes? I've, I've made so many mistakes. Have I screwed everything up and I've missed my destiny? Here's the amazing thing. God doesn't work in time like we do. He can redeem the time in the most amazing, miraculous way that you could ever imagine. And the past is the past. It's the past. But your future is yet before you. And he can, he can bring increase at a rate that's not human and a part of our understanding. Again, it's discerned by the Spirit of God. But I think about it this way. Okay, y'all who has smartphones with GPS on it, how many of you have used it? Raise your hand if you use that GPS, okay? What happens, you set your destination, what happens if you go the wrong direction for a couple miles for some reason and you're not paying attention? What is that lady going to do when she's talking to you? She's rerouting you, right? She reroutes you. It's the same way with God. He, he can take our detour and he can still reroute us back to the most efficient path to get back to where we're going. So if you've made a mistake, it's not, 
It's not a time for you to go into mourning and condemnation and you're so upset and you've missed it all because no, he redeems everything. He redeems the time and he has a hope and a future for you. It's time for you to just start listening to the GPS and say, okay, which way do I go next? And it's kind of also like, you know, like a flight. If you ever miss your flight, your connecting flight, are you out of luck? Are you never going to get where you want to go? No, you can catch another flight. You know, it might cost you some extra money, and it might cost you some extra time, and nobody really wants to deal with the reality of those consequences, but it happens, and we're not exempt from that. So we do have ramifications for the decisions that we make, and sometimes we experience those consequences, but God is always good that he can bring us back to the right path. For me personally, I'm like, I don't want any more rerouting. I don't want any flights missed. I just want the straight path to what you have. All right. This idea of seeking God's will was just, it's so full in the Bible. There's so many examples. I think it's actually crazy how we have actually been so affected by human thinking and Greek. When I say Greek thinking, it's like that the culture has just permeated our minds that everything is logical and everything is, you know, where the way God designed us was a relational type of interactive, figure it out with God design. But we have become so smart (laughs) that we don't need that. And that's sad But that's not what the people in the Bible did. I mean, sometimes they did, and then they were noted, like Israel, who did whatever they saw was pleasing in their own eyes. And and that's noted, and that was not celebrated or applauded, right? But you have Moses. Moses, he says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, he's about to lead these people, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. That right there, to me, says... I don't want to depend on human wisdom, but the demonstration of the power of God. And what did he do? He gave them a cloud by day and fire by night to guide them. Because he said, I don't want to go unless I have your presence. And God said, okay, here's, here's a pillar for you. Follow it. Right? Abraham. Abram, before even becoming Abraham, he lived a life of faith. God said, get up, leave everything you know, and just go where I'm going to show you. He didn't give him his whole life map right there. He says, "Just go, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you, and I'm going to bless you. See, that's the thing. We get the promise of blessing, and he says, just start moving. Here's your next step. And we're like, but I want to know 500 steps out. And he's like, all I need, all I'm going to show you right now is this, the light on your path so you can take the next step. Because he releases his word, a rhema word, a word for now so that we can do the next step. He doesn't really give us the five-year plan. Sometimes he might give us something to hope into, but it still never really looks exactly like we think it's going to. David, a man after God's own heart, he sought God's guidance 
Every time, you know, he went to war, he'd seek God, show me the strategy, show me how to overcome the enemy. He didn't depend on his own wisdom. He was continually asking God, and God gave him strategy. King Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 15, uh, 52 years. His mother's name was Jecolia. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought the God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. All right, so now... Here's another thought I'm guessing is in the room. Well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to miss what he has for me. That's really cool. I believe that, yeah, I believe what you're saying. But what if I miss it? How do I find it? Are some of you asking that question right now? Have no fear. We're going to talk about it. All right? Requirements. There are some requirements for finding God's perfect will. The first is it requires faith, okay? We've established that knowing the will of God requires the wisdom of God and not our wisdom, right? So scripture tells us in James that if you need wisdom, you ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, So we need faith in order to receive his wisdom, right? Now, this is a bit of a different situation, but I feel like um, the principle really can help us. You know, um, when Jesus um, is out in the crowds, a man in the crowd said to him, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But if you can do anything, would you take pity on us and help us? If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I feel like that principle is the same. The dad's like, well, if you can do it, will you? And Jesus says, if I can do it. Of course I can do it. Anything is possible. So even if you feel like you've never heard God before, he does want to speak to you. His word says that his sheep know his voice. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how to listen in a bit. But you have to first have the right reference. And sometimes it's like, well, I can't muster up the faith. You know, faith is from God. And if it's impossible to please him, you know, how do I get this? I think that that guy was, I don't, I think that was remarkable. Really. He said, I do believe. Help me. I can't, I, help me with my unbelief. You know, the reality is I believe, but I'm struggling. And I found myself praying that lots of times. Like, I believe you, God, heal my unbelief. 
more than I need healing for the situation, for this or that. I just need you to heal my unbelief because if I just believe, then I'm coming straight into what's truth, right? So I think that in requiring faith, just start with a simple prayer. God, help me increase my faith so that I can believe that all things are possible, that you can speak to me. Just like little Jacob said, in my bed, I just, we just talk. We just talk. He's a kid. It's impossible to enter the kingdom without being like a child. That's faith. It's childlike faith. Thank you for that illustration, Jacob. It requires, and there's that scripture, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards it. It's not in vain. Okay? The next requirement is the fear of the Lord. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. One version says that he shares his secrets with them. What is the fear of the Lord? We're not talking about being afraid of him. We're talking about reverence. It's about being in awe, having amazing respect. One of the dictionaries says to regard with respect tinged with awe, to show devotion and honor to. It's like, whoa, the creator of the universe wants to show me the way that I should choose. Why would I do anything else? I'm just going to, whoa, have a moment. That's the creator that wants to show you which way you should choose. It requires the fear of the Lord. The next is it requires... Can you advance that slide, please? It requires patience. Mm. We hate that word, don't we? It's his timing. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. That says to me that it, it didn't happen right away. Why does he make us wait sometimes? Have you experienced the waiting? And you're like, oh, I could just make this decision and have it over with, but there's something in you that knows that you're not supposed to settle for second best. And the only way you're going to determine what's best is in the waiting. He keeps us there because we're so dependent on him. And he loves people that are dependent on him. He really does. I uh, was Facebook messaging with Bo and Linda last night and super excited at their great news that their home has sold. And I, yeah... I got permission to share it. I guess you put it on Facebook anyway, but I got the news like seconds before anyway, and I was excited about that. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking about my message, and I was thinking, you know, this is a really, really good example, and I just want to honor Bo and Linda and the way they've been waiting on the Lord because, as you know, they're moving out of state. Or I think you know. They're going to be moving out of state, and they're going to be serving the Lord 
far from us, but they are waiting for pieces to come together. And sometimes you get certain pieces and you're waiting and you feel like he's done this, but the other piece hasn't come in. And the piece that hadn't come in for them was was um, the selling of their house, which was pretty major. And they're feeling the witness in their heart to continue to wait for him. Um, but the timing is like, Bo's got to get over there. And, you know, is the rest of the family going to have to wait until the house sells? And it's literally the final hour, right, Bo and Linda? And yesterday, they got an offer, signed papers. I mean, it couldn't have been any more than, what, the 11th and 59th minute of the hour, right? I mean, and he loves to do that. And is it comfortable? Was that comfortable? It was horrible. (laughs) But in the end, there's so much blessing. I'm not going to lie. It's stretching, you know? But he loves people that are completely, 100% dependent on him and not their own wisdom. This is what I found. It requires wholehearted seeking. I love, there are so many scriptures about this, and I'm just going to kind of go through those. Deuteronomy 4.29. From there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 14.2. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. That's Psalm 14 too. I like that one a lot. I'm going to read it again. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. A lot of times we hear that first verse, right? You've probably heard that one before. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Yes, I received that. But I think sometimes we don't read that second part. He says, you'll call on me and come to me and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with part of your heart, a little bit, half-heartedly. No, with all your heart, all of your heart. I mean, I just want to challenge you. Do a little heart check right now. If you're seeking the Lord, are you seeking him with all of your heart? For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Another version says they range to and fro looking for those who are fully devoted to him so he can give them his strong support. If your heart is fully devoted to God, you get the strong support of the God of the universe. You can't get any better than that. There is nothing better than that. Sign me up, though it costs me everything. I want wisdom and understanding. It means everything that I've known. I have to give it up. But he gives me his strong support and new perspective because he's given us his Holy Spirit. And that sevenfold spirit of God is available for you. Who needs some might? Who needs some counsel? Who needs some wisdom and understanding? I do. I do. I need it every minute. I need it wrestling through the night with things with the Lord. I need it standing here. I need it for every breath. I don't want to live without it. 
I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Proverbs 8, 17. Luke 11, 9 through 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. He's waiting. He's just waiting for you. The last one is listening. I know that some, for some of you, this is kind of probably stressing you out because you're thinking, well, I know that so-and-so can hear the Lord and superstar so-and-so hears and has visions and all that stuff. And so, you know, they can hear. But here's the thing. Every person, even the most prophetic prophet on the face of the earth, did not start that way. They learned how to hear the voice, just like Samuel said, he heard something. He didn't even know what, here I am, Lord, I'm listening, because he was told that's what he should say. You know, there is a process to getting to know the voice of God. And we were actually talking about this in our class this morning, too. And I feel like it's kind of like, I think about my daughter, my firstborn daughter, and when she was just a little baby, and, you know, how can I get her to understand what I'm trying to say to her? I mean, she's just a baby. She has a whole language and years ahead of her to learn. But I'm not, like, frustrated with her or mad at her for not knowing. I just realize that in our relationship, I'm going to get to teach her, right, how to communicate. And so, I don't know a lot of sign language, but we did more. That's one of the things we learned. So I'm like, more, more? And then, you know, you could see her eyes light up. (laughs) And she knows what I'm saying before she even knew the words. And so God knows the process that we need to in that same way. You know, I feel like a lot of times we talk about the Father, God, and that aspect. We see God as a man or whatever, but we're all made in his image. So there's an aspect of him that is very nurturing, like a woman would be. And he's very patient, and he's very loving, and he knows what we need to be able to learn. So he's not frustrated with you. He just wants to teach you and love on you and help you. So first of all, I just feel like we need to squash a mindset that says, well, hearing from God is for the super spiritual, but he doesn't speak to me. Because he speaks to all his children. Every child is going to work with their parent to get language development. And it doesn't happen in one year. It doesn't happen in two years. My daughter's six years old. She does not have a mastery of the, the English language like I do yet. It's a whole process, you know? And even at that, even when you become super mature in hearing God, he still keeps you completely dependent on you because then he'll throw in new things and you have no idea really what that means. You think you know. Then you make a bunch of mistakes with that and realize that wasn't really what that was all about anyway. And he keeps you really humble. So none of us really, really know. We're just all learning. And we're staying low because that's where he's at. And he just wants to whisper to you. There's lots of ways he can speak to you. His word is a powerful way. That's the first foundational thing that you should have going on because anything else that you hear, you want to make sure it's in alignment with that because he's not going to say anything that contradicts the word of God. Another really common way that he speaks is just a knowing inside of you. You just, you just know. 
And when I first wanted to hear God's voice and I, you know, heard that people could hear, I remember as a teenager, I was like, God, I want to hear your voice. How can I learn? And I don't know if this was an inspired thought or it was my great idea or whatever, probably not. But I was like, I think, what if I just ask him to give me specific things to do and then I would just know that was him and then I could obey it. Then I'd be kind of trained, right? So I remember... I was in youth group, and I had been asking God, just speak to me. Tell me something to do so I can obey you. And he puts this girl on my heart who's way across the other room, and I can't see at all what's going on with her. We're in worship service. And I'm, he says, I want you to go and talk to her and pray for her. And I thought, God, is that you? I felt just this little impression inside of me. And I did this wrestling thing, and, oh, God, I don't know. That could be really awkward, and I'm not really good friends with her. And, oh, you know, the whole list of all this thing with going back and forth with them. And in the end, I ended up going over to her, and I just mentioned that God just put you on my heart, and I just wondered if I could pray. She burst into tears. I mean, she was ready for the moment that the Holy Spirit would touch her. And it was amazing for me in my, that's the farthest back I can remember of that kind of um, moment. But it all started because I said, if you'll just show me, I'll obey. If you just show me, I'll do it. And that's ultimately what we're wrapping it all back around to, right? What's your will? How do you want to use me? What's the plan you have for me? How can I be part of the advancement of your kingdom? He wants to use every single one of you. Just like Jesus said, our prayer should be, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. God put you here for a purpose. Our food, our nourishment, our substance that keeps us going, the thing that keeps us driving, going, going, should be doing the will of the one who sent you, who created you. That's what should fuel you. That's what should get you out of bed in the morning is saying, whoa, God, I'm going to connect with what you're doing today. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus himself looked to the father for cues. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's John 10, 27. All right. So my guess is that right now there are a lot of people in different places responding differently to this, but what I do believe is that every one of us has the question in our heart, God, I want to know what you have for me. I want to know what it is. And so I'm thinking there's probably different scenarios in here. Some of you are saying, God, I'm like that man who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Would you just close your eyes with me? If that's you, I pray that God would heal the unbelief in this room. God, I pray for an increase. God, right here in this whole room, a shifting of faith, that you would release faith in unprecedented measure in our lives so that we can reach out for and seek after you and find you, just like your word says that that's what you created us for, that we would reach out and that maybe we would find you, that we would find you. God, I thank you that you said that if we would ask for wisdom and not doubt, you'd give it. And we need your wisdom, God. Some of you here probably feel a little twinge of conviction 
Like I've been making some decisions and just doing whatever seems good. But when you talked about the fear of the Lord, that kind of hit me. I need to come to the place where I'm seeking his wisdom. If that's you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus from this moment. However you lived in the past, it's behind you. But you're responsible now for the word and what he's put in your heart, what he's done by his spirit inside of you. That's what you're responsible for responding to. I'm not talking about even the words that I'm saying you being responsible for. I'm talking about if he witnesses to your spirit that that's me. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't ever believe something because someone up here says it. You take it to the word and you let Holy Spirit convict you. And if he's convicting you right now and saying you need a more, a greater measure of the fear of the Lord, then I pray, God, that you would release that across this room, that we would be people, God, that would stand in awe of you and reverence for you, that you have created us. God, in your image and in the ability to connect with you deep unto deep, spirit to spirit. And God, I break the lie in this room that you're distant or that you don't want to be involved with little me. God, I thank you that you have overcome and you've torn that veil that separated us by the blood of Jesus. And because of your blood, you've made access to the Father by Jesus that we can come boldly and talk to you, Papa God. God, I pray every person in here, God, would have new measure of revelation of the kind of access that they have to you, that when they get in bed at night, that they can just talk to you. If the day's been busy, that they find a quiet place to connect. God, I pray that you would give patience to those who are waiting and holding on, that feel like they're tired and weary. I pray that you give them strength not to compromise, strength not to compromise and to go into human wisdom, but to wait for the word. Wait for it. Wait patiently, God, because your word says that if we'll wait, you will renew that strength and you will give us wings to mount up like eagles. God, I thank you that there are eagles in this room about to soar because you're releasing new levels of your will, new revelation of your will in our lives, and we're submitting to that, God. I pray new commitments today, God, would rise up to wait for you, to get your wisdom. And God, we commit to seeking after you. If we could reloop this song, I want to just crank this back up. And this is a song we sang during worship. But if this is your heart, if your prayer was in agreement with the prayer that I've prayed, any part of it, I want to close in worshiping together and just praying, God, we seek your face. You know, that, that um, song comes from Scripture, Psalm 27, 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. So would you stand with me? Let's seek him. Make an altar, you and God, right here, right now. Consecrate yourself to him. God, we seek your face. We seek your will.